0: Come on, you coffee drinkers. There we go. Okay, so. Oh, yeah, are we back? Are we back? Stories are incredibly um, powerful. And uh, stories connect us as we kind of hear from other people we hear about their lives and how powerful it was the other week to hear at the baptisms that we had people's life stories even now people are like oh the baptisms were great oh those stories um they, they just do something in a family and they do something in a church family that is really really powerful um they build us up, they build us together, they connect us as a body, as the church. And over the years, we've had all sorts of, uh, we've had many story Sundays actually, and um, they've had a different a focus, and we've got to hear different voices. And I, for one, absolutely love it. Each time, like I say, we've had a different focus. So we had One Story Sunday, if you remember, where we had people who were sort of entrepreneurs in the city, and they were starting new things. And we heard about how their faith and their kind of ventures kind of journeyed along together. We've heard from people who work in healthcare in different ways, and their stories and their life. And we've heard from those who are in education. And we've heard from those who we we just heard life stories because we just love to hear them um, and story Sundays are just where we get to know each other that bit more and um, last meeting last leaders meeting last month we had we had some time together and David picked up on 10 excellent points you can tell him I said that they were excellent and they were about being a disciple and the last one of his 10 was about perseverance And then we went into breakout groups, we did it on Zoom that that night, and many of the groups I heard stayed and prayed around this uh, point of perseverance and discipleship, and I thought, hmm, okay, Lord, what, what are you doing, what do you want to do? And we live in a culture where perseverance and sticking in is kind of becoming less of a thing that people maybe would do in this particular culture. But the Bible says, hang in, follow Jesus, hang in, hold on to his teachings, and keep running the race of faith. Keep persevering. And and then after the leaders' meeting, Jojo called me up. Jojo was playing the the piano before, and he called me up with with a his ideas. Now, George doesn't call with one idea. There's at least 57, a rough count in one conversation. And Anyone who's spoken to him will know that feeling. And he was bursting, and I love it when he's bursting with ideas. Um, but he felt that God was highlighting older people. I'm, I'm treading dangerously here, aren't I? But older people in our church family that we often don't hear from. He said they're quiet and they're there and they're persevering and they're praying and for decades they've followed the Lord and we need to hear their voice. We need to know how they do it because we need to learn from them. And I had a story Sunday to plan and I was thinking, what's the theme this week? What's the theme for this one? And I thought, Jojo, I think the Holy Spirit's got you to call me with your 57 million ideas but this is the one I think for Story Sunday. Um, So... Yes, so I have invited this morning four people. Uh, one of whom is not old, but has a life that I, can, I feel like there's something that he, want, he needs to say to the rest of us. Um, so, can um, the lovely Phil and Mary and Adam just come and grab a chair? That would be wonderful. So yeah, Jojo and I got talking about discipleship and the, uh, the, the race marked out for us. And we just thought, we need to hear these voices. And when I approached Phil and Mary, and Patty is going to be on screen, she may come and go, but we're confident that the sound will remain so you can hear her. But we wanted to hear their voices because I felt like they're going to build faith in the church this morning. They're going to encourage, and it's going to be what, what the Lord wants to do. So... They're all a bit nervous, so can we just <laughs> welcome them to the stage? Okey doke. So. Mary says it's like having an exam that you already know the questions of because they already know and they've had a good think about the questions that we want to ask. But this morning is about endurance, is about perseverance, and about running the race of faith. And I thought if you all sat together, it might not feel so scary. So <laughs> that's what we're doing. So this is the lovely Phil. And um, I thought I'm going to ask Phil to say a few words about running the race through grief, and in the changes of the seasons of life. So before he kicks off, I'm just going to pray for us all and just say, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh? Would you increase in this space? Lord, that you would um, use their words, their stories, their journeys... It's no accident that we're all part of this church family with them. They have something to encourage us and to teach us this morning. And we thank and we praise you for every single one of them. So I pray, Father, where there are nerves, you would just still them. And Lord, that you would have your way, continue to have your way in this place. Teach your church, Lord. Amen. So I ask Phil... When and how did your relationship with Jesus start? What does discipleship look like for you? And how have you grown in your faith over the years through different seasons? And what would your one bit of advice be for those younger in faith? What would your encouragement be? And you just want to go for it, don't you? (laughs) They're all different. So he's just going for it. So Phil, welcome.
1: Thank you. I I was brought up in a Christian home. My parents carried me into church as a baby, but it wasn't until 19th of October, 1980, when I came to know the Lord as my own personal Lord and Saviour. I was 20 at the time. What does Christianity, what does discipleship mean to me? like camels, sheep can take in lots, they can go a long time without water, and then when they start to drink, they can take in up to two and a half gallons at a time, and when I became a Christian, I just soaked up the word of God, I was hungry for God. Um, I spent a lot of time seeking Jesus, reading his word, going to meetings, serving, Um I found that by spending time with Jesus, you get to know his character, you get to know him. Um, But by serving, you grow as a Christian. And I found through service, I grew more than I did just by reading about him and praying. the Lord shared with me quite early on, early 1980s, that he, he was going to use me working with people in food poverty, but I was told it wasn't for then. So um, as time went on, I kept thinking, okay, Lord, you kept reminding me of this over and over again as the years went on, and I couldn't see how this was gonna happen. And then um, in back end of um, September, no it wasn't, end of 2011, sorry, end of 2011, uh, the church, I was at the Bay Church at the time, started up the Bay Food Bank, and that's when I started to get involved with with, um, helping people who were, were struggling in this way. I worked with the Bay Food Bank until September twenty twenty when at the time I was asked if I go full time. At that time I was doing twenty hours a week and I was asked if I go full time plus overtime as needed. And there was a lot to do. But at the same time, my dad was um wasn't too good health and he had alzheimer's and he was deteriorating and he was he needed more support than i could give him while i was at work so i knew i couldn't take on the extra hours of a commitment so i was made redundant and i went a time into looking after me dad and um, which I couldn't quite understand why the Lord would take me out of the work, which he'd take me into, but God's always got a reason for things. And it allowed me to spend time with my dad towards the end of his life. Uh, my dad passed away, went to for Lord about a year ago. And since then, I've got more involved with the pop-up pantries, um, and God's always got a purpose for things even though when he takes you down roads you can't understand or, or know why there's always a reason and all things work together for good for those who trust him and if this hadn't come about with the change in hours I wouldn't have able to spend that time with my dad at the end of his life so that was good. One bit of advice. Um,
0: Pin your ears back, people. Here comes the (laughs) advice. Phil.
1: As I was saying, you grow by spending time with Jesus. Study his word. Spend time in prayer. Seek him. Um, You get to know his character. You grow more by getting involved. Um, That's when he uses you. But uh, the most important thing is learn to do what God tells you to do when God tells you to do it. Of <laughs> all the things, that's probably the hardest because you think, is that right? Is that really what you want? <laughs> Doesn't make much sense. Learn to lean on God and trust him, because he will guide you if you allow him to
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Phil. I told you we need to hear these people. Learn to trust him. Lean on God. Learn to do what God tells you to do when God tells you to do it. Amen. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much. You can stay there because you can be borrow support for the other two. (laughs) I invited Adam to come and join us this morning. Not because he's He's younger than me. It's not, it wasn't an age thing. It was just as I was thinking about life and I thought, you know, Phil has traveled through serving and loving his dad and letting go of some things that were very important to him and traveling through that with God. What an example that has been to those of us who have known Phil. Um, But I thought, Adam is a very... Busy bunny, just tell us what your job is, if you wouldn't mind.
2: I'm a property solicitor.
0: A property solicitor. So you know when you're on the phone and you're like, has it exchanged? Has it this? Has it that? It's poor old Adam getting harassed on the end of his phone. So the phone is busy. Life is busy. You now have added the third little Gilbert to your clan in little baby Joy. So life is busy as a wonderful husband and as a brilliant dad and with this crazy busy job. And so I thought we would, it would be good to hear from Adam in terms of running the race, walking as a disciple with Jesus in the busyness of life, which some of you maybe can resonate with. So Adam, how and when did you start to
2: follow Jesus? Um, I was brought into church as a baby, a bit like Phil. My um, parents, I've known the Lord my whole life, and the two standout moments for me, where Christian festivals, where each time I'd go each year, I would see God move in a way that I, could, I couldn't deny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was 16, I started dating a girl who loved God more than me, and I realized I better start reading my Bible. Um, so I did, <laughs> and I married her. Oh, <laughs>
0: oh, there's a whole morning on that story, isn't there? <laughs> Feel like Silla Black. Um, <laughs> and what kind of season would you say you are in right now?
2: I have no margins, so uh, a typical day for me will be the boys will wake up at 7, quarter quarter past 7, and then I'll get up with the boys, Lucy will be feeding Joy and getting her changed, I'll get them changed, uh, breakfasted, ready for school, and then I'll get myself ready for work. I'll then hand them over to Lucy at half 8, so she takes them to school, I then commute to work. I've got about 70 active clients at the moment. Chip shops, people buying and selling houses. Chip shops? Yeah, like people... Like buying a chip I've shop. I've got a dry cleaners. Someone's decided to buy a dry cleaners.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. There you go. Whole nother world. Um,
2: and then I'll try and finish as close to five after five as I can. Get home. Lucy cooks tea, so I'll get home. I'll wash up, bath and bed, tidy, and then I might get an hour or two of Lucy before I go to sleep and then do the same thing again every day.
0: So, it's, it's pretty full on. There's not much stop time. No. So, that's, that's the season you're in. And in that season, which I think many of us have either been in, will be in, or are in with you right now, um, how does it look like being an apprentice of Jesus, along with being a loving husband, an attentive dad, and having a busy and, you know, responsible job. What does being an apprentice of Jesus look like for you? Uh,
2: So two things, sorry. Uh, Finding space in my transitions is where I find I can see, I can spend time with God. So on my commute to work, when I'm doing a washing up and I'm just physically using my body, but I'm not using my mind, that's a perfect time for just sticking worship music on. Um, When I'm, I've started running recently, so when I'm running... uh, sometimes when I'm doing bedtime with the boys I'll just blast worship music on to the extent that that's now normal for them um, I find that I can retreat spiritually when I am only being physically active and that's, that's how I do it and then the, the second way is in my job so this is very real for me recently um, but the, co- the culture of the world is all about me, me, me I want to. I, I won't put you first, I'll put me first I won't risk making myself vulnerable. Uh, I'll look out for me, you look out for you. I won't pass upon an opportunity to go up. And the culture of Jesus is the opposite because he is my reputation, not the world. And I have all my acceptance from him. And those two cultures clash and I'm finding God and I find I'm more intimate with him when, if it, throughout my work day, I'm just constantly trying to think, God, how would you behave in this situation when this colleague is distraught or accusatory or this um, person's being selfish or I'm given an opportunity, but it may mean that that person may not have the opportunity. And it's it's hard, but I find it renews my faith when I lean into what Jesus would have me do, even if, in the eyes of the world, they'd look at what I do and think... Um, I'm being disin- I, th- I think sometimes when you're overly generous, people think you're disingenuous. They think, what's his agenda? What's, what's his angle? Um, and also they think they can walk over you because you're strong inwardly, well, I tried to be, but you're soft on the outside, so people think they can take advantage of that. Um, so that's how I find God at the moment.
0: Taking time in the transitions. Yes. I like that. And what would a piece of advice to those, well, to the rest of us as you travel through this very busy, unrelenting kind of wonderful but busy season?
2: Um, or, so, or just generally, whatever. <laughs> so God isn't a pocket of space to find. He is our whole lives. And C.S. Lewis talks a lot about the um, chief benefit of religion but also the chief danger of religion being that it gives you structure throughout your day throughout your life to be able to be reminded of god but you can become religious and the goal like um brother lawrence i think my whole life should be a prayer i need to just be constantly talking to god and i'm I'm rubbish at it a lot of the time but i I try and try and god's grace is incredible um and the other thing is a bit of a bit of a challenge Um, I I ask myself, why am I busy? Am I being hurried, as Dave said the other week? Um, Because sometimes we're busy because we're trying to self-justify. We're trying to get to a thing because then we've made it, when actually we have our acceptance in God already. So sometimes we're only busy because we're trying to be successful in our own stead when he has already accomplished it all on the cross. And it might be that you just need to let go of something. It it might be that you're artificially busy in some things. And I say that as someone who is, well, that's not to say that you have to take responsibility to things and seasons mean that you have no time sometimes. Um,
0: And you're living, you're working in a culture where that very much is the prevailing culture.
2: Yes, absolutely. And one last challenge. so I'm, I'm, I like to exude strength quite a lot and it's not always a good thing. I like to sometimes fall into a pattern of trying to be hard a lot. Um, and sometimes God just gives me watershed moments and I'll just break down in tears because it's all been too much. Um, it's like God sometimes says to me, Adam, you mean you're not all, su- all sufficient? You can't do this all yourself. Um, and it shouldn't surprise us. But if you're... If you're not in a place of softness and relying on God, you might be deceiving yourself and think you can do it all yourself.
0: Thank you very much, Adam. Wonderful, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, go on, (laughs) give him a cheer. (laughs) Lots of challenge and lots of advice, I love it. And Mary, she said, you want me to do what? Why? (laughs) Mary, tell us, um, what have, before you stopped work, what have you been doing for your career? If you wouldn't mind telling us, give us a bit of a picture of you.
3: Before I stopped work? Yeah. Well,
0: Do you wanna just use uh, the
3: sorry.
0: microphone? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be closer than you think, I'm afraid. Mary?
3: Well, uh, yeah, I've, I was working as a nurse and really enjoyed it. And I've worked for a long time, a long time. <laughs> Long, a time very long, long time, time. in awesome. the NHS. In NHS, yes. yeah. I worked I worked back home in Ghana for a couple of years as a midwife before coming here. And here I have worked as a staff nurse but for about, about 30 years here in the NHS. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Good, yeah. good.
0: Can you move that even closer? That's it. I know. It feels too close and you sound like you're too loud. But trust me, for everyone else, it's just how they need it to be. (laughs) So I've asked Mary to come and share a bit of her story. And I was thinking, running the race, when things change. Because, I mean, I'm very, uh, I feel very privileged often in the role that I have in the church. I know a, a little bit and sometimes a lot about a lot of people's lives. And that is something that I never take lightly. But I know you, Mary, have had to journey through a lot of change recently, which we'll get on to. Um, mm-hmm. But how and when, first of all, did you begin to follow Jesus?
3: Well, um, I think I was fortunate to be brought up in a Christian household. Yeah, My dad was very active in the church and from a very young age he taught us about god in our everyday life and it it was it was very nice see i remember we had family bible studies every saturday morning every and it was constant you she would just he would just go and sit down and start singing and then we we will come, but it was nice in a very relaxed atmosphere and he taught us a lot in a very, I was quite young, but really knew a lot about God and this continued, this lifestyle continued uh, throughout and I followed it up when I grew up and also got a family of my own. I actually baptized in my early teens. Okay. And just followed it up as I got, I I grew up and then had a family of my own and it was nice to follow that up.
0: Wow, and now your children and your grandchildren follow Mm -hmm. in your wake. Um, Mm -hmm. What recent difficulties have you um, experienced, Mary?
3: Okay, I had a routine eye check a few years ago, which they f- uh, was found that I had cataracts and was advised to remove them. I put it off for a while, but eventually I decided to go for the procedure. Unfortunately, that seemed to have triggered some complications and I started to lose my vision. I was referred to a specialist in Glasgow and I was told I needed an urgent surgery to save the vision. I had the surgery done, things got better for a while, but then after I had moved to Newcastle, I realized my vision started to deteriorate again. I was quickly losing my sight. I wasn't able to drive anymore. The difficulty was that my vision was disappearing so rapidly, but nobody was able to know, I mean, they didn't know the cause. They didn't know what was what was causing it. And so, I mean, despite a lot of investigations that I did. So they couldn't give me any prognosis. I've had a, a lot of surgeries on my eyes and a lot of treatment to try and reverse the damage. It has been a very difficult process as I didn't know whether I was going to lose my vision or how things were going to end. Let me tell you how I walked with Jesus in those difficult times. The situation with my eyes has been very, very distressing for me, because I really didn't know what the future would hold. I didn't know whether I was going to maintain my independence. I had to rely on God. I spent day and night praying to God, telling him how I felt, asking for his mercy. I would just picture God standing before me and just telling him all my problems. I was sometimes scared in the night to open my eyes, or in the mornings when I woke up, I was scared to open my eyes because I didn't know whether I had vision or not. So I was, I mean, if I'm able to see something and know that, oh, there is some vision, it was such a joy And I will continue to thank God for what is what I mean. I will pray and thank God for what was happening. I was praying all the time. I will pray for a miracle. At the same time, I was thanking God for His control in the situation. That was my life. It has been a long process. But one day, I just, it just occurred to me that my sight was getting better. And I could actually see. This encouraged me even more to trust God. Me to trust him even more in, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. So I'm just continuing to pray and I'm continuing to thank God for everything that is happening. What would my advice be? Yeah,
0: I, I know I was really struck. We, we had a cup of tea the other afternoon. I went up to Mary's <laughs> house. Um, and she just described how she prayed continuously. And I thought I could sit and listen to you talk to me about prayer for the whole of next week, please. Um, and yeah, have you got one piece of advice? Would, yeah. you, would you give us one? Mm-hmm. If you just hold the microphone I think, up.
3: I mean, having heard about my prayer, I think my advice would be just one word, prayer. Prayer has been the only thing that has given me comfort and hope and reminds me that I'm never on my own. So my advice would be to remember that God is never too far away. He's always there. He knows what you're going through. So when you feel alone, just remember that God is always there and he's listening. You just have to reach out to him in prayer. Thank you.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. And last, but by no means least, I don't know if it's going to work or not. We've got a few minutes of Patty, and then we're going to just see what the Lord wants to do. Have we got it? okay patty thank you so much for joining us virtually this morning the whole thing we're talking about is um running the race we're talking about real people's lives and real people's situations and how they have followed jesus through thick and thin and i wanted to get your voice in on this um so would you tell us when and how did your relationship with jesus
4: begin yes yeah, certainly um So the time that I was born, which was in the early 1950s, most people believed in God, and we were taught about God in school. We had um, a Christian assembly every morning. We would say the Lord's Prayer and sing hymns and so on. So I grew up knowing about God, um, but I didn't know about relationship with God. So um, I just lived my life, really, without thinking about God, except maybe if I wanted something. And I, and I could do bargaining prayers, like, if you give me such and such, I'll do such and such. Um, and life went on, and I had a bit of a disrupted upbringing. And um, when I got to my early 30s, I was single parent uh, with one child. And my birth family were really in disarray. Um, lots of things had gone wrong, and um there's a lot of chaos really and difficulty and I'd been one of these people who try to fix things, try to make things all right, try to look after everybody and in 1985 things had gone very badly wrong um, within the family Um, and at the end of 1985 at Christmas I was required to make a decision about something, and it was something I felt I couldn't do. And I'd borrowed a Good News Bible from somebody who was a Christian, and um, and I'd begun to kind of understand from this person what it meant to be a Christian. So um, I actually sat down um, on my bed one Sunday morning and uh, trying to make this decision, and I felt I couldn't do it. I couldn't I could make the decision, but I couldn't do what was being asked of me. Um, and I actually said, God, I, I can't do this. And I'm so tired of looking after this family. I'm so tired of doing good and trying to do the right thing. And then I picked up this Good News Bible and opened it, just randomly opened it. I didn't even know how to read the Bible. And um, it opened at a book in the New Testament that I thought was called Galateans, which I now know is called Galatians. (laughs) And it was chapter six. And verse nine jumped out at me. And it said, so let us not become tired of doing good. For if we do not give up, the time will come when we reap the harvest. So then, as often as we have the chance, we should do good, especially to our family. And that spoke to me, really spoke to me. And so I decided I would do the thing that was being asked of me. But I said to God that morning, I can't go on without you. And I'm handing over all my life to you, all the difficulties, all the problems. And I need your help. And that was how it began. Awesome.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And we're doing this like this. in part because I've actually been to your house for the last three days on and off. And today I can't, I can't actually uh, make the journey for various reasons. So we're, we're like this, but we haven't seen you around church. You've had quite a period of time where you're needing to avoid the winter bugs and viruses. Can you just tell us a little bit about what's being on briefly? And then how have you walked with Jesus?
4: Through th- this particular time thank you mm. yeah so um 2023 was a really difficult year for me um i had various things going on i had a bereavement um christmas 2022 so that was leading into that year i had to have a minor operation and then in the end of february i got COVID, and i was very poorly and of course If you live alone, you're on your own because you can't ask people to come in case they catch it from you. And um, it was a really, really difficult time. And I kind of recovered, but I couldn't fully get better from COVID. And um, I rang a GP eventually, probably May, and said, you know, I can't get better. I don't know what to do. And this GP, who I've never met, never seen before or since, just said, oh, well, he said, "Um, go and have a chest X-ray. And I actually wasn't going to go because I didn't have a cough. I didn't have a cough with COVID. And a friend from Life Vinyard and I were having coffee one day, and she said, I told her, you know, I said, I'm not going. And she took me there and then (laughs) for the chest X-ray. And then things kind of snowballed a bit. They they found a tumor in my lung and the various things happened. I had to have some different kinds of scans to find out what it was. And they found it was lung cancer. Um, but because of the position of the tumor, they couldn't do a biopsy. They had to take half of my lung out, really, the, the top lobe of my right lung, so that they could biopsy this tumor and that was a a roller coaster of a journey really Mm -hmm. that went on over two and a half three months um and that was when that was challenging um again I, i i wasn't seeing many people at all um partly because i didn't have any energy but also because i was concerned in case i caught any bugs and viruses and um and so that's gone on and um various things supported me during that time do you want me to tell you what they were you can absolutely and and how I mean it was it was a shock it was
0: isolation yeah. off the back of being isolated as you say through COVID yeah. tell us about it but tell us how did you cling to Jesus how did he comfort you what was that friendship like kind of how did you nurture that how did you run the race in the face of of all
4: that suffering and difficulty Mm, absolutely um the things that I that supported me during that time the things were things that I'd built into my life over the previous 30 odd 37 years I think it was and prayer was one of them and you know I was saying how my family were in disarray in 1985 it didn't suddenly get better. it would have been great if everybody had suddenly become fine and, and no problems had been there but you know that that's not realistic but what I did have was um a sense of God's presence with me mm-hmm. but I feel like you know yes and sometimes that just happens. But you have to sort of nurture that relationship, that friendship, that as you just described it. And prayer was one thing. Um, another one was, in the past, it would have been going to church and meeting, you know, fellowshipping with people and making new Christian friends. Um, I'm so grateful. You know, I've got two things to be grateful for t- to COVID. One is that I ended up having a chest X-ray and finding a tumour, which may not have been found otherwise. And the other is that we've got the technology. You know, the church is being streamed every Sunday. And um, I suppose many people would think, oh, that's not a substitute for, for going and meeting people. But I've had times with God, you know, online. And going back to when we had lockdowns and I was living on my own, I didn't see people. But the Holy Spirit was just present and through the worship, through the preaching, through the teaching, through the prayers. um, And I'm just so thankful, so, so thankful that that was in place and I could continue to engage. Another thing, I mean, people who know me know that I love to do creative things. And um, I did creative things and basically it was almost doodling. Um, I didn't think to actually get any stuff out to show you this morning, but, but I would spend time just with a pencil and, or, you know, some people like to color in or whatever, but that was a time where peace could just come over me and I I could just connect with God because I wasn't thinking about the, the tumor or hospital appointments or whatever. And that was another really good thing. Um, I had a WhatsApp group of people who were praying for me. And I was so thrilled to find out how many friends I had, what amazing prayers they were. Um, and and the people on the group were encouraged by each other, as well as me being encouraged by them. Um, and then there was just faith. You know, after 37, 38 years of, of being a Christian and determinedly following and keeping going and keeping going and i was saying to god after this tumor was found and i knew before i knew what kind of tumor it was we knew it was cancer i knew that i might die and i just kept saying lord my times are in your hands my times are in your hands and also i think you know when you give your life to jesus you get that inner inner peace that you are going to spend eternity with him um And that kind of increased, but it was by choice of, of, you know, while I was ill, it was, it was focusing on him and reading the word and my daily devotions, which are so, so important to me. So, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer the question?
0: (laughs) I think so. What a, what a deep well you've been busy digging. And I'd love to ask you just, if you could have one piece of advice to give, those who are younger in
4: faith what one nugget of of encouraging advice would you want to give the bottom line of everything is your relationship with jesus build it nurture it develop it and there's lots of ways of doing that and i've mentioned some of them and when when i was thinking about this coming interview the scripture that came to me was um Matthew chapter seven. Um, and I was remembering the children's song, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I guess, you know, this has been, it's been a, a real wake up call in some ways and, and a shock and everything. But I can look back and think I've been building, you know, like you had just described it as digging a well. And, and I, I could say, you know, I have built on this rock and, It's a constant choice and you've got to keep going to church. And, you know, I love small group. I think small groups are really, really important Um, and all the other things that I've mentioned. So, yeah, develop your relationship with God. That is the most important because when the chips are down, however many lovely people you have around you, whatever kind of wonderful church you have, the real bottom line is your relationship with Jesus. That's that's what's there, you know. That's the most important thing.
0: Thank you so much,
4: Patty. You preach it, sister. Um, <laughs> can, we, I, um, can I read a scripture, Nick? Yep. And pray. I was just, just going to say, we're going to
0: move into a time of ministry now. So could you pray for us, invite the Holy
4: Spirit, and read your scripture? Yeah. yeah. So I'm so encouraged by this morning because I my daily devotions, which is again, you know, you don't always want to but I did and I, I was just blown away because one of the scriptures is one of my most, most favourite scriptures and I just like to, to speak that out and, and pray for everyone and um it's Romans chapter 8, the last bit and, um, and it says for I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels or demons, not the present, not the future, no powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts. Thank you that you always graciously gift us with what we need when we need it. May we seek first your kingdom in all things and may we encourage one another to keep going and to keep doing it and to keep pressing in and keep pressing on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) This morning, so can we just say thank you,
0: Patty, from all of us here. Thank you for your, well, all four of you, for your encouragements this morning. We're going to draw things to a close because it's Bring and Share. But I just want to put a couple of verses up on the screen. Hebrews 12:1. If <laughs> we'll see how the screens grow, I'll just read it to you. It says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race." that is set before us and I want to ask us all including myself what will your race look like and Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 7 I have fought the good fight I have finished the race